But you took a week off because you had I was I was presenting my research. Yeah. How did it go? Did people like it? I think so. Yeah. It was at um so I do physics education research obviously. Um it was a math education research conference. Um Oh, you're the weird guy. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny actually. There's kind of this little like sub community there that's like all the different science education people that also go to math education conferences so like us and like the chemistry education researchers and a few a few biology people as well um but there's not as much math in biology as there is in chemistry and physics so there's not as many of them but yeah it's we have a little cohort that kind of like travels to and goes to each other's talks <laughs> this oh so conference. fun it is pretty nice unfortunately it was hybrid which meant that i was not there in person so we didn't get quite as much like actual interpersonal networking time which is kind of the, the one of the major benefits of conferences, but sure. But it was fun. I mean, it was still a good time. I gave the gave the talk. People seemed to like it. I had some great questions and helpful feedback and all that fun stuff. So, research like, wise, it was good. Networking wise, it was not. Did people like join a Zoom call where you were? They're like, "This is Will Rehaloma with physics yeah. education research." Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Wow. How many people attended? Oh well, it's because it's hybrid. There's some people in the room and some people on the Zoom. You know. So, cool. But it wasn't, like, a lot. I was probably, like... Ten? Yeah, maybe ten people or so. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, th- the thing is, is, like... Uh, so, I do research in quantum mechanics, math, right? So, like, it's a very niche field, right? Like, if I was doing, yeah. like, reasoning research, it's much more um, approachable to other people. Like, some people get scared away by the quantum. Some people get scared away by the math. At the math, that obviously, it's more so they're scared away by the quantum. Um, Anyone get scared away by you? Just in oh. general, your force several of personality. Children, several children every, every every day, so I walk down the street. Um, no, no, it was okay. good. I, I thought it went pretty well. It was it was a fun talk. Talked about uh, network analysis. It's pretty cool. Ooh, I don't know. I I use a network analysis machine at work, but probably not in the same way that you do. Probably not. Probably not. It's fine. Mine's a vector network analyzer. Ooh, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Spill your uh, trade it, secrets with. Well, this one isn't trade secrets at all. This is a simple tool used by many people in RF fields, I believe. Okay. Basically, it has two ports, and it can send out a ping on one port, which is like a little frequency sweep, Hmm. and it can listen on the other port to see what comes through. Hmm. So a simple way of using it would be you could attach it to a cable, send out a ping on 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 your first port, and listen on your second port and see how much of that signal makes it all the way through. So it could help you figure out if you have a broken cable, or if a cable you're using has a lot of losses. Hmm. That's just that's a very simple application of it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. No, our, our network is, is very much like... So I study, like, you know, you know, student thinking about the different mathematics representations using quantum, of which yeah. there are several. So for me, it was, it was actually like just like a, you know, mathematically constructed, kind of like graph theory. Have you ever seen those with, like, the dots and the connections between the, the balls kind of thing? Yeah. Basically, it's like, you know, looking at connections between these different expressions and, like, you know, how, how we can use techniques to analyze it. It's, it was a lot of fun. It, it's also really cool because it it's all, it's like gives you, it just like gives you a great visual, right? Like, everybody is, everybody yes. loves to see a cool network with like, oh, everyone wants like, a pretty picture. Exactly. So it, it kind of makes its own presentation for it almost. So that, that's how science works, folks. That's science, everybody. And you know what else is science? This podcast. Welcome to nice. Reference Frames Podcast. Nice. The physics-based podcast where me and Will will try to unravel the mysteries of physics using pop culture as our medium, our vehicle. 
My name is Ian. I play the role of audience member and co-host. And this is my good friend and physics presenter, Will. Yeehaw. He's a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. That's it, right? That's usually what I do for an intro. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Do we have any uh, correction zones for today? I don't. Let me double check the corrections. I was just on the Twitter page. The Twitter page. Not the Twitter. I'm not a... I'm not an Get old off the Nintendo. <laughs> uh, no. Great. We have no corrections. It's a little uh, disappointing. I mean, come on. Surely we did something wrong. Will's out here fishing for corrections, everyone. Please feed him. Someone I'm needs so to hungry. critique him or, or his head will get big. I mean, I understand that, like, the film Knives Out is beyond reproach, but, like, surely the physics that we presented, surely there's something in there that was wonky. No, yeah, I think I had some conversations with coworkers about them, hmm. but nothing really, uh, nothing sticks out in my head right now as I think back on, cast my mind back to those conversations. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. So, then I guess without further ado, Will, if hmm. you would like to take us to the theater of mind, I'll cue the background music and you can start speaking whenever. Sounds good. The commercial space tug Nostromo has self-destructed, and its sole remaining crew member, along with Jonesy the cat, has fled aboard the ship's small shuttle. Warren Officer Ripley takes a well-earned breath and begins to prepare for cryosleep now that the nightmarish experience of the last several hours is behind her. Her brief period of relief is shattered, however, when she soon discovers that the cause of the crew's deaths a horrible creature from among the stars has managed to escape the exploding spaceship and hide away aboard the shuttle. The alien menace has nestled into a narrow space filled with tubes carrying coolant, and so she dons a spacesuit and grabs a harpoon gun, a plan forming in her mind. She straps herself to a chair and begins flushing coolant out of the tubes, eventually purging the fluid onto the deadly creature and driving it out into the open. Ripley then slams her gloved palm onto a red button, and the airlock slams open. Small crates, papers, and other debris is blasted out of the opening and into the space beyond, but the xenomorph manages to fling its limbs out at the last moment and catch itself in the doorway. Our beleaguered heroine fires her grappling hook into the creature's carapace in a last-ditch effort and manages to break its grip and send it careening out the airlock. The door shuts on the cable, however, tethering the creature to the back of the ship. Ripley watches in horror as it begins to crawl into one of the shuttle's engine ports, before running to the pilot seat and gunning the engines, incinerating the foul creature and safeguarding both her and Jonesy's lives. Oh, so scary. You ever seen Alien? Because I have not, but uh, I kind of want to after. I actually don't know if I have seen Alien. I watched the I watched the scene several times as I was writing this, and it, I'm not going to lie, I kind of... I'm not a big horror guy, but I'm 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 intrigued. I think I've seen Aliens. Sure. Is that the one that ends with the big mech suit? Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, that's the that's basically the Vietnam parable, but in space. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. I've not seen Alien. I have tried to play the game. Oh, Alien, Alien Isolation. Isolation. And it is way it was too stressful. I uninstalled it. Yeah, that's sounds... I got maybe two hours in and I was like, mm-mm. Yeah, I can't handle horror video games. Mm-mm, so scary. Really well made, just not uh because horror games, scary. you can't close your eyes and let it pass you by like a movie. Like you have to, like yeah. you have to push forward into it willingly. Yes. And I uh, also, 
I kept losing at the same spot and it was still mm-hmm. scary every single time. It's so, just frustrating too. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we got a few things to talk about here. Yeah. What are in we this doing example? This week? A big part of that scene was the uh, kind of opening the airlock. Mm. And why would that air rush out? Mm. Right? Or why would things rush out into the into space? Mm. So that leads me to believe maybe we're going to talk about like vacuum. Maybe we're going to talk about empty space. Maybe we're going to talk about um, like pressure differential type situation. But what if it's a red herring? What if that isn't it at all? What if it's a red herring? We could be talking about tension. We haven't done tension yet, have we? No, I don't think so. Uh, tension of the grappling hook rope as it swings the alien back onto the ship. We've already done nozzles and rockets, so I know you're not going to talk about that. <laughs> That's right. You thought I'd forget. It's true. I didn't. It's true. Wally exists. Darn it. Take that. I think I'm probably going to land pretty squarely in in sort of like the vacuum realm. Okay. You are quite right. We are talking Ooh. about uh, pressure today. Specifically pressure in a, in a gas because it's a little more complicated when you get liquid, like water pressure. But uh, yeah, great, great, great guess. Ian. Pressure differentials, you. all the fun stuff. All right, so let's get into it. So basically... Let's do it. The, the core idea, uh, picture in your mind's eye that any object that's submerged in some sort of fluid, including gases like our atmosphere, are basically constantly being just bombarded from all sides by the random motion of the molecules in the air. So imagine yourself, you're just standing still out in the open on Earth. You're getting pummeled constantly from all sides by all these nitrogen and argon and oxygen molecules just slamming into you constantly. So you can kind of picture this atmosphere as kind of like one of those, like a ball pit from like one of those McDonald's play places or something. Yeah, uh, sticky. Yeah, just sticky and gross. And yeah, exactly. But you can imagine that, but those things are just zipping around and flying all over the place constantly. That's kind of what the atmosphere is like, but a lot smaller, obviously. And so these trillions of molecules that all slam into you in any given second, they all are exerting a, a measurable force on you and on anything, everything else. And we call this sort of summative effect of all these collisions, we call that a pressure. So generally, this doesn't really affect you because your body has been built to withstand pressure like that. And since you're being pushed on all sides all the time, there's no net effect, right? Like some of it's pushing you to the right, some of it's pushing you to the left, but you're not going to get pushed any, any which way by just the random collisions of these molecules. However, let's imagine what happens if you have a higher pressure on one side of you than on the other side. So again, if we zoom into these molecules, right, you can imagine this being either there are more, more molecules on one side of you slamming into you, or maybe there's the same number of molecules, but they're, they're hitting you harder than on, on one side than the other. In that case, right, you're going to have, you're going to experience this summative effect is going to push you in one direction, right? Um, away from the high pressure, away from the, the more molecules or away from the faster molecules. You get shoved by them, basically, in the direction of the low pressure. This is what we call a pressure differential. You know, Ian mentioned that earlier. We call it that because there's a difference in the pressures, right? A pressure differential, there's two different pressures on different parts of you. And that can push you. So tying it back into the scene then, right? What do we see here? In that spaceship, in that shuttle that she's trying to escape on, we can assume fairly safely, I think, that it's filled with air because she's able to breathe without a helmet. So that means that there's a bunch of these molecules battering her and battering everything else in the in the place constantly, right? So her, Jonesy the cat, the xenomorph, boxes, things like that, constantly getting hit from all directions by these things, slamming into them. When she opens the airlock though, right? Outside, in space, there's essentially no air. There's, I think, one hydrogen 
Oh, yeah. If you're in deep space, there's like, I think there's one hydrogen atom per cubic meter or something like that. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. Almost nothing. So all those molecules that are near the airlock, right? Imagine the ones right next to the doorway as it opens, right? They're bouncing around. They're bouncing off each other. And once they get hit in the direction of the airlock, they just go flying out the airlock because there's nothing, there's no more door to stop it from, no more door to bounce it back in. So all these atoms start, or molecules start bouncing off each other. And eventually they all start bouncing off and leaving out the airlock because random bounces, eventually they get hit in that direction and there's nothing to stop them, so they just leave. So what this means uh, is that near the airlock, on that side of the, of the big room they're in, right, there is now way fewer molecules because they're zipping out the wall, zipping out the airlock. Whereas on the other side of the room, right, those molecules haven't had a chance to bounce around and out the airlock yet. So there's mo more molecules on that side, which basically means, what do we have? A pressure differential, right? Which means mm -hmm. on every object in the room, Ripley, those crates, the papers, the xenomorph, all that fun stuff, they have way more molecules slamming into their bodies really hard on one side, the side away from the airlock, and far fewer of them slamming into them on the side that has the airlock. So what does this do? It exerts a force. They get flung by all these molecules sending into them in the direction of the airlock. Does that make sense, Ian? That kind huh. of picture? It's interesting. Yeah, it kind of goes against what everyone says. Mm -hmm. Which people say, you got sucked out of the airlock. Yeah. But in reality, you got pushed out of the airlock. Exactly right. And that's actually a, a really um, a common thing that students will struggle with because pressure can't ever pull something. Pressure only ever pushes something because it's just a bunch of collisions hitting you. Yeah, exactly. Great point. Great point. Interesting. Uh, yeah, but that makes sense so far. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, that's when the airlock opens. Everything getting slammed. Xenomorph gets hit. Thankfully, she strapped herself in, so she's not going anywhere because the cherry's bolted to the floor. But the xenomorph's getting hammered by all these molecules on one side and by a lot fewer molecules on the other side. And so he gets flung near the airlock. But very quickly, as we see in this scene, most of the air is blasted out the door, right? It bounces off very quickly out the door, meaning that there's no more pressure differential, meaning that now that there's no air in there, there's no air on one side and no air on the other side. So there's no more, you know, net exerted force being, being exerted, which is why mm -hmm. Ripley needs to shoot that grappling hook to knock it out because there's no more suction, quote unquote. There's no more pressure pushing it out the airlock anymore. Does that make sense? That's basically the scene via yeah. pressure. So because all of the air has vacated the ship, it has the same general number of molecules inside as outside, so the alien doesn't get bumped around as much. Exactly. Yeah. Until it takes a grappling hook to the carapace. Yeah. And it might seem uh, on the surface a little outlandish that, like, really, these air molecules that are famously yeah. light because it's air... Are, so pushing you, are pushing you so hard that you're going to fly out an airlock, that feels a little silly, right? It does. Until you consider what we mean, like, so yeah. So our bodies are used to pressure, right? We deal with it all the time. We live under one atmosphere of pressure all the time, which means uh, one atmosphere of pressure roughly is 15 pounds per square inch of surface area. So that's a lot. So you, you your body might have, I don't even know how many square inches of surface area, but at least a thousand or I don't, I have no clue actually, but probably Should around a thousand it? or something like that. Should I Google it real quick? Uh, sure. Go for it. But okay. just look at your hand, right? You have probably, I don't know, 10 square inches on your palm. That means your palm, if you hold it upright, is holding 150 pounds of air pressure. 
That's a lot, right? That could push you through a wall. Well, maybe not through a wall, but through a glass wall. What'd you got, Ian? Uh, so generally, the normal, whatever, the, it's in quotes from where I'm reading it, mm-hmm. uh, 1.7 square meters, supposedly. Uh, and this per- this person has done all the calculations actually already and says hmm. a total of 41,160 pounds of force. Right. Which is a lot, right? That's a That's lot a of lot. force. And so if you imagine... More than a car. If you idealize a situation like physicists like to do, spherical cows and all that, frictionless surfaces. If you idealize a situation and say on one side of the airlock, there is no molecules. On the other side of the airlock, on the other side of the xenomorph, there is one atmosphere's worth of molecules. Then he's having half of that much force exerted on him in just the one direction. Oh. So he's getting blasted out the airlock, right? It sounds yeah. like air can't push you much. Like, what the heck? It's like the most you ever feel is a stiff breeze. Right. Right. But that's because no matter how fast the wind is, you still have the pressure of the air behind you pushing in on you because these collisions are happening on the other side of you all the time. So if you take mm-hmm. away one of that, <laughs> that whole side of air, that's a lot of force. And, you know, yeah. it dissipates very quickly, but that's a big old jerk. So, right. So, yeah, pretty cool, I think. Ah. Yeah. Any questions on that, Ian? Does that make sense? I think most of that makes sense. Should I try to recap? Sure. Go for it. Outside the ship. Mm-hmm. very negligible amount of molecules inside the ship. We're just going to say one atmosphere of pressure. Sure. Right. And when that door opens, when the airlock opens, usually that air, which would have been bouncing off each other in the walls and kept inside the ship has nothing to bounce against. So it just keeps going mm-hmm. like a soccer net, like a soccer goal without a net. Yeah. Flies right through. Good, good analogy. And all of it goes that way just because that's how random chance works. Eventually, it'll go the way out the ship. And while it's doing that, all those little molecules are bumping into the xenomorph. Pow, 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 pow. And he's bigger than humans. Oh, yeah. He's got more surface area, I bet. too. Yeah. So your standard, apparently, your standard human, whatever that is, (laughs) half that is like 20,000 pounds of force. So That that sounds like an imperial unit, you know, measure... Areas one, and standard human. standard human. Exactly. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, get Takes all those molecules to the dome and the rest of the body and pushes them out. I wonder then how much force it takes to hold on mm. if that dissipates so quickly. Oh, man, that thing's got a really strong tendons in its fingers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's well, not like it a also, shell almost, right? It's probably... Yeah, that's true. An exoskeleton. Yeah. Uh, did I, How'd I do? Does that summarize yeah. nicely? Sounds great to me. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. And, and the important key here is that pressure... Is just a bunch of things hitting you all the time, basically. And so right. preferential just means you're getting hit more on one side than the other. So you're going to get pushed. Yeah. All right. So, Ian. Yes. Got that out of the way. Can you think of any examples of where we see this sort of idea in the real world? So the big one that came to my mind is another one that you can see and do mm. during the summertime in Minnesota. Sure. If you roll your window down, mm. you can basically you get sucked out the hand. window. You get sucked out the window. <laughs> <laughs> you can tilt your hand. Mm. And if your hand is sort of flat, you have the same amount of air bouncing on the top and the bottom. But as you start to tilt your hand, you can get more air bouncing on the bottom of your hand if you tilt your fingers up, which kind of pushes your hand backwards. Mm. Yeah, great example. Great That's example. one that I feel because I like to do that because it's kind of fun. Oh, super fun. Classic my hand is a dolphin thing. You and You and every dog ever. Yeah, absolutely. Not that different, me and dogs, you know? <laughs> Any other? I got a few, so... Yeah, why don't you take some while I try to... While I <clears throat> see if I can think of some more. Sure. Yeah, so actually, this one's quite related to your hand example. Um, 
any sort of airfoil that shows up like on a plane's wing, for example, the reason planes can fly at all is all due to this whole pressure differential thing. So I don't get into the technicalities of the different airfoil designs, but the basic idea is that you design this wing in such a way, the wing shape, uh, side view, cross section of it, in such a way that when you're moving forwards through the air, uh, the air moves uh, uh, faster, what is it, faster over the wing and slower under the wing. And that effectively means that you're hitting, you're getting more collisions on the bottom of the wing than you are on the top of the wing. And therefore, as we talked about the xenomorph, uh, that net result is you feel a force. This, these more collisions are pushing you up than are pushing you down, so you end up lifting off the ground. The, 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 the basics of flight. Very cool. I got a few I guess more. that translates pretty yeah. easily into sailing as well, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, exactly. Great. Uh, right. Uh, when you... Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Final answer? Yep. Yes. So you put up a sail and you have wind hitting one side of the sail, mm-hmm. which is more pressure than on the other side of the sail. Yeah. And, and then, actually, you know, wind itself is driven ooh. by this, right? I mean, that, that's, that's effectively what the wind is, right? The wind always moves from a high pressure to a low pressure because there's more molecules or faster molecules or whatever it is over there. And there's less of it over there. So they end up, you know, moving as a net result in the direction towards the low pressure. Um, and that's yeah. how, what wind is. Yeah. Great example. Any others yet? Let's see. I'm sure I can. Sure I can, I can, I can, I can do a few more. Yeah, what? Like. yeah, take some more while okay. I keep thinking. Yeah, no problem. Similar to the airlock, um, you've probably seen in movies, uh, if you're in an airplane really high up and someone opens the door, right, everything gets blasted out. And that's because even though you're not in outer space like you are in the movie Alien, you are very high up. And the, as you get higher and higher and higher up, there are fewer and fewer and fewer molecules per, you know, cubic whatever. Um, there's just less dense air up there. So you open that door, you have more molecules there and they start drifting out and again they start carrying stuff with it as they drift out same thing with with the airlock uh, another one that i like is uh, uh the idea of straws how straws work um same idea anything with suction really so suction cups same idea um but for the straw right you are sucking air um out of the straw above the water or the liquid river you're drinking um and so the the air that's pushing on the outside of the straw, like on the top surface of the liquid, is pushing harder than the air inside the straw is pushing on the water inside the straw. And so the water is actually pushed up by the air outside of the straw, pushing down on it. It's very cool. Same thing with suction cups. So a suction cup, you stick it to a surface, a flat surface, right? What you're doing when you push it down is you're basically flattening it to the surface. And therefore, the only thing that's holding it there is all the molecules slamming into it from above. Right, or from the side if you're putting it on a wall. So all these all these molecules slamming into it from above are just basically keeping it stuck to the wall. And so if you pull higher, if you pull with a greater force than the pressure is exerting on it, then that's what it detaches. But until then, the air is keeping it stuck to the wall. Or the wow, I had never thought about those. Yeah, super cool. That's wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because there's huh. no air underneath it, right? Um, same thing, yeah. like if you've ever seen a piece of paper, it's actually kind of a cool thing you can I've do. I've seen a piece of paper before, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, of course, of, my, my bad. Uh, but if you have a piece of paper flat on the table, for example, um, again, 15 pounds per square inch is what the pressure is. So there's no air underneath it that's pushing up on it. And it just has all that, all those part- particles hitting it, applying that huge amount of weight or f- that force on that piece of paper. So you actually can't, I mean, unless you're really strong, you can't lift even a piece of paper directly vertically off a table you need to crack it on one side to let air underneath it so you can help push it up 
as well. Oh, that's been going around on the social medias recently. Oh, really? Yeah. If you put a fly swatter on the edge of a table, mm, yeah, yeah. And you put a piece of paper on the end of it, and then like drop something onto the end of the fly swatter, it won't right, right. flip up like you'd right. expect. Because you have this huge amount of this huge amount of particles slamming in it from above, keeping it right. plastered to the table. So huh. unless you let air underneath it where it can now hit it from below, yeah. then it won't it's really, 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 really heavy. Really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right, Ian. Final call. Okay. I'm going to take No, I think I'm good. I feel like you've ones. covered a lot of good ones. Yeah. All right. Cool. Any uh, any questions then, I guess? That's where we're at. From the audience, I mean. Oh, I thought you meant from me. I mean, if you have questions, like, Oh, I didn't know we were too. adding this to the podcast. Yeah, I would have prepared well, more I questions, I guess. Questions, questions from you, too. <laughs> um, About Jonesy. I guess just so you know, Jonesy does not general. get lost out the airlock. I want that to be very clear. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, Jonesy is in the next movie, I hear. So, oh wow, thank goodness. It's good news. Yeah, they will. They go in to cryo sleep together. Do all gases act that way? All fluids. I mean, all, all all molecules act that way. So, like any. So the only thing that separates a solid and a liquid and a gas is how free the particles are to move, right? So, in a gas, they're able to zip around any which way. In a liquid, they're kind of constrained to, you know, be in there fairly free to move within their area but they can't expand beyond that then solids are very structured they can't move at all or hardly at all um yeah anything where particles can move around like in a liquid or a gas these fluids yeah they'll slam into things and exert pressure so if it were if the ship were filled with water instead of Mm, yeah it would blast out the you know like a big fire hose well actually that's an interesting question so Ooh. Uh, the issue with the water in the spaceship is if it blasts out fully, like as one huge unit, that would leave a big vacuum behind it, right? So generally speaking, that's difficult to do. So what would likely happen is you'd have, you know, vacuum would sort of like zoom in. I mean, this is a weird way to describe it. Vacuum would like <laughs> zoom in to the airlock as kind of like displacing the water rather than the water moving all out as one big solid mass. Oh, like when you dump a... Yeah, like a gallon of water upside down. It goes... Yeah, 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 yeah. The air has to move in to take over the space. So, yeah. All right. But yeah, same idea. No more questions from me. Questions from the audience, though. We do... We have two. Wow. Our backlog has... We're thinning out. Yeah, we have. So, please, if you're out there and you have a question for us, you can always tweet it at us at uh, Podcast Frames on Twitter. You can email us, uh, referencefamespodcast at gmail.com. Please, we need more questions. But this one today comes from at Doris Lynn. At Podcast Frames, how would time loops resolve in space slash time in the Harry Potter universe? Would it translate to the non-magical world? So good luck with that one there, Will. Thanks, Ian. Okay, so time loops. Okay, so in Harry Potter, spoilers if you haven't read or seen the third book or movie, uh, they introduce the time turner, which basically you spin it or whatever is a magical artifact, and then you go back in time and you go back in time. And you can see your past self walking around, and you walk around, and they can actually see you as well. Create some weird paradoxes, potentially. Okay, so try to analyze that through a physics lens. So we don't know of any way to go back in time, to reverse the clock, so to speak. But in physics, especially when you get to relativity and things like that, we start dealing with um, four dimensions, right? You probably, you might have heard of this in, you know pop culture or the Big Bang Theory or something like that. But basically, you know, you have these three spatial dimensions, so like up, down, forward, back, left, and right, that define all of positions in space, right? Up, you know, wherever you want to point, you can point to. Uh, And like the fourth quote-unquote dimension is basically a coordinate saying, at what time is this thing at a certain position? Um, So 
in that way, we can kind of reconcile it because we have, there's nothing like mathematically wrong with having you at two different coordinates in space time, meaning that you can see you're maybe you're 50 meters ahead of you at the same time. That's, that's fine. You can have thing. You can have various objects at the same um, position. Why not have various objects at the same time? That seems reasonable at different positions. Um, but I don't know the actual mechanics of how the time turner works, Doris Lynn. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's my best, my best, uh, my best work at trying to pop that into a physics lens. I hope that, hope that was helpful. If not, so you're saying mm-hmm. if we had a way to go back in time, mm. Or if we had a way to go forward in time. Just wait. There we go. We did it. We did it. Oh, we, we've done it. I'm proud there of would be nothing preventing you existing at the same time in two so. different locations. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, it doesn't, it, I don't know why there would. Because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with just describing a thing at two different coordinates in space-time. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Good old math. Good old math. Man, I love that math can tell us when things can't be, but it doesn't always tell us when things can be. It's true. It's true. The arrow of time, thermodynamics, all that fun stuff. All spoilers for future episodes. Well, pressure. It's kind of a thermo thing. So The arrow of time. Well, anything else? I think that's it, right? Let's that's see it. here. If, if, you, if you don't want the next, next episode to have the last question we answer, we only have one left. Please. So hit, Please. hit us. Hit us. Send us, give us a, some give us questions. A tough one. Give us a really tough one. Yeah. Make me calculate something. No, don't do that, actually. Yeah, make him calculate something. It makes him angry. <laughs> That's actually not true. You've answered a lot of questions regarding uh, track and field. That's true. That's true. Actually, just in general, lifting heavy things between my family. That is Throwing that heavy is things and picking up heavy things. What is the tension calculated on a hammer throws cable? Tension on a hammer throw as well as horsepower generated. Oh, yeah. If you remember that. Speaking of Imperial units, throwback to like 10 minutes ago, the fact that we use hands to measure the height of a horse and feet to measure normal distances in Imperial is just, it's what? (laughs) It's so fun. It's so pleasant. It's so odd. You never know what you're going to end up with. It's true. It's true. Furloughs? A bicycle and a half tall. Oh, is that true? I mean, depends. What size frame? You pick the right size bicycle. 29er? Just like Chuck used to say, you know, the answer is three as long as you pick the right units. And folks, that's where we're going to leave you today. You can always have the right answer as long as you know the right units. Bye, everyone. See you next time. Bye, folks. Bye, folks.